Hey, Bettys. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms. And here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause. And there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam Minerals just taste like water and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. All right, all right, Bettys. Welcome to Geeky Magic. And today we are going to talk about the ketogenic diet and female fertility. And I wanted to discuss fertility on the ketogenic diet because this is really what women should be moving to optimize for, right? This is true for women, if you have a cycle, so you are in your reproductive years, even if it's dysregulated the way that we can sometimes see in perimenopause. And of course, for my menopausal women, while we are not so concerned with fertility per se, we are concerned about hormonal imbalances and of course their restoration. So optimizing for hormonal balance and hormonal harmony. And in the case of my women who are in their reproductive years for fertility, this is one of the areas that I think we want to be paying more attention to and how we can be manipulating variables in the diet that we're going to talk about today and how that, how we can use that to our advantage. And when we talk about, um, hormonal imbalances in women, one of the most common issues that I see is women with PCOS or polycystic ovary or ovarian syndrome. And this can, this is characterized by having anovulatory cycles. So they are not ovulating every single month, a month, which of course presents a huge, um, issue with fertility, right? How can you track in your, you know, where you are in your cycle? If you're not ovulating your basal body temperature readings are all going to be off. I mean, there's certainly going to be some indication from the cervical mucus, but you want to be able to, I mean, that the whole point of your cycle is to ovulate. That's the, I know, I know our period gets all the attention. She's the popular girl, right? But ovulating is the main reason, right? For your cycle. So, um, and um, PCOS, I should say, uh, multifactorial, right? Um, could be, it could have its roots in androgen dominance, which is the poor uh, aromatization of testosterone um, to estrogen. Of course, it can also be rooted in metabolic derangement with its roots in insulin dysregulation or having a hyper 
insulinemic state as a result of a high high uh, blood glucose. And this can affect the cycle and specifically ovulation in many ways as it relates to luteinizing hormone, which we're going to talk about in a moment. So when we think about the ketogenic diet specifically, this is a beautiful, beautiful diet for these women. So, and it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to have the diagnosis of PCOS, which by the way, takes forever to get. <laughs> it's like an average of like seven years or something ridiculous like that, that women have to go from doctor to doctor to doctor. But it is another, is another uh, conversation for another geeky magic. But if you um, have any type of metabolic derangement, so high fasting uh, blood glucose, high fasting insulin, uh, if you've been told or diagnosed with metabolic syndrome, if you have been told that you are uh, pre-diabetic, uh, you are showing signs of insulin resistance, the ketogenic diet can be beautiful for helping to restore fertility and hormonal balance in these uh, cohorts. Because when ketone bodies are present, we know that this is going to have a suppressing effect on luteinizing hormone, um, which is one of the common issues that we see in PCOS. So if you don't know the the pulse, the pulsatile nature of uh, luteinizing hormone, go back to my geeky magic menstrual masterclass uh, in week two. Um, but basically, if you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen. But I'll give you kind of the quick and dirty here. Luteinizing hormone needs to surge in week two ahead of the follicle releasing its egg. And we need a, an abrupt high amplitude pulse in luteinizing hormone to facilitate that egg being released um, from the follicle. So when um, insulin levels are high due to you know, elevated blood glucose, this can naturally increase baseline levels of luteinizing hormone so that the differential now between baseline and the surge is not as large as it should be. And this is going to impact the follicle's ability to release um, the egg. If you are someone who has some type of metabolic derangement, whether it's PCOS, metabolic syndrome, prediabetes, diabetes, um, the ketogenic diet is going to be wonderful for you. And there have been some estimates, um, specifically, you know, in, in recent times, we are looking at the comorbidities and the outcomes of uh, metabolic derangement and COVID. There have been estimates that up to 88% of the population has some element of metabolic dysfunction. So this is going to be, um, you know, in terms of recommendations, the ketogenic diet, a, well, I should say a female-focused ketogenic diet is going to be ideal for many women who have some aspect of metabolic issues uh, and or some of the conditions we've been talking about, PCOS, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, et cetera. Now, there are certain uh, populations of women because, you know, even the word woman is like kind of meaningless. It's like, are you a short woman? Are you a tall woman? Are you a black woman? Are you a white woman? Are you, there's so many different types of women. It's almost like, you know, it's, 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 it's like, a, so I'll, I'll just say, you know, for women who are, um, who are, who have an ideal body weight, who have an ideal BMI, who are not obese, um, that suppression of luteinizing hormone 
is not going to be good for you, right? So when the, in the presence of ketones, your luteinizing hormone attenuates, it comes down. This is great for my metabolic, my women with metabolic issues, right? Or my PCOS women who have that typically higher uh, baseline uh, luteinizing hormone. And by the way, if you want to test for LH, do it on day two or three of your cycle. Uh, and we also want to look at follicular stimulating hormone as well. But this is not, when we, when we bring down luteinizing hormone by elevating ketones, while this may help you get leaner, if you are already lean, this is not going to help you maintain uh, fertility. And this is why a female-centric ketogenic diet is so important, not just for my PCOS ladies, but for all, everybody. Um, we have to be eating in a way that matches our menstrual cycle. And in my book, The Betty Body, you'll have a clickable link in the show notes um, to, uh, to check it out. We talk about why in that week two, that pre-ovulatory week, your protein and insulin level, or your protein and carbohydrate um, levels need to be elevated from a macronutrient um, perspective. This is not the week for ketosis. And in fact, I also uh, talk about this in the context of fasting. This is not the week for aggressive fasting, because if you are gunning for ketosis all the time, uh, the presence of ketones in the body in this pre-ovulatory week is going to signal to the brain you know, maybe this, maybe she does, maybe this is not the best time for her to get pregnant. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of food around. She's having to go into her own, um, you know, stored energy, her own at, you know, adipocytes to extract the energy. So maybe we're just not gonna, maybe we won't ovulate this month. Right. So the, the takeaway here is that a female-focused ketogenic diet, I think for most women is appropriate, but it's particularly important for my women who are already of a healthy BMI and a healthy uh, lean muscle mass. We don't want to always be in ketosis. That is not the goal for women. And this sort of like forever, ketosis forever, um, I, this is where I really depart from many people in the ketogenic world, specifically as it, as it relates to women, I outright discourage it. I don't think that women should be in ketosis, um, forever. And I think that a low carbohydrate, uh, moderate to high protein diet may be a better choice for females that are, that are, tr that are trying this approach. And this is what I've seen clinically where if we, uh, in women who are of a, you know, healthy weight, if we restrict carbohydrates too aggressively and you pair that with aggressive fasting and you pair that with aggressive caloric restriction, all mayhem breaks loose. So we want to be considering our fertility as women. And to do so, we can manipulate our macronutrients, so our carbohydrates, fats, proteins, uh, across the cycle to optimize for our fertility. And I've said this before, I think it's worth repeating, our menstrual cycle and by extension, our fertility is a vital sign in the same way that you want to be tracking your blood pressure over time, your heart rate over time, your respiratory rate over time, your oxygen saturation through the day. You want to be tracking the ebbs and flows of your menstrual cycle and the symptoms that come up will tell you where you need to put your attention. And when you have you know, a female centric ketogenic diet, like the phase one and phase two, 
approach that I outline in the Estima diet, fertility will always be uh, selected for and will be augmented. And I'm actually, I'm actually starting a list, uh, sort of internally, uh, with my team. I have a, I have a list called, uh, Betty babies because I have so many women probably like at least once a week now, whether it's through Instagram or, you know, they will email support my support, um, uh, email and they will tell me that they are pregnant now after following my protocols. So, uh, the key takeaway here is that the amount of carbohydrate restriction is going to vary depending on the individual, but also depending on their amount of metabolic derangement, right? So where they are in terms of their metabolic health. Um, and of course, you know, I've talked about in previous podcasts, like the source of the proteins, the source of the fats, those are also super duper important. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes and your blood pressure. Start your morning right with a refreshing salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice, and it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. Element T also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want, and if you don't like it, they will refund your money no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And you will get a free LMNT sample pack with any purchase. And because we're talking about fertility, I've been asked um, a couple times now to address pregnancy uh, and then postpartum, so considerations like breastfeeding. And you know, I, I get asked this question around pregnancy a lot because a lot of people get pregnant using the Estima diet, and they want to know if they can um, continue it. And so I would say that. A pure ketogenic diet, this notion of always trying to be in ketosis, again, not a fan. Uh, I do not recommend a pure ketogenic diet during pregnancy. Like ketones are not the goal when you are growing a human life. And, and the reason for that is that what we know about the ketogenic diet is that it, it suppresses insulin, right? And insulin is an anabolic it is a it is a growth hormone, and when you are pregnant, there are, there are you know kind of two main cohorts that I think about where we don't want to be suppressing anabolic hormones like insulin. Uh, one is is pregnant women, and the other is children. Um, we don't want to impair growth of the developing fetus, and of course, uh, and this is why we don't necessarily put our kids on ketogenic diets unless you know we have you know, obesity issues, which we're seeing, you know, unfortunately more and more, um, often, but this is where we have to really make peace with our macronutrients. Carbohydrates are not the devil. I, I promise. And they help to support, you know, the carbohydrate insulin dance. When you have that insulin secretion following uh, a carbohydrate bolus, it is going to help support many super important functions in the body, right? So the thyroid helping to avoid muscle protein breakdown, uh, which is going to help your recovery, you know, postpartum. And so I think that this all ketosis or, you know, it's like, you know, ketosis or bust, you know, I think we really need to get away from that. And 
again, I'll, I'll qualify it and kind of get a little bit more nuanced here and say that if you are um, a woman who is thinking about becoming pregnant or is pregnant and, and you are obese or you are a type two diabetic, this is, this would be like kind of my exception, um, to the rule where a low carbohydrate approach might be very powerful because you are going to potentially help, uh, evade gestational diabetes, uh, which has its own sort of, uh, sets of, uh, set of issues and preeclampsia and all of these different, um, uh, issues during, uh, during gestation, uh, that can happen in a hyperinsulinemic environment. But for most women, if you are not, uh, you know, a type two diabetic, you are not obese, um, then we want to be thinking about, um, a ketogenic diet that has more high, you know, a, I would say it wouldn't be a ketone producing ketogenic diet. It would be a moderate to high protein and I would also recommend sort of pulses of carbohydrates uh, to make sure that you're remaining insulin um, sensitive. And for pregnancy, um, I would actually also uh, encourage an overall increase in caloric intake, right? Um, and hopefully if you are, you know, one of my, on my Betty baby list, um, you know, you've learned through the Estima diet prior to becoming pregnant, you've learned about how foods how, which foods make you feel what, you know, how you can, um, eat intuitively during your pregnancy, because you should be eating more food. Your caloric consumption should increase. Um, this idea of just trying to keep your abs while you're pregnant. I've seen so many, um, uh, it, it, it breaks my heart where we have, you know, women who are trying to keep their abs, you know, during their pregnancy. And this is not the goal. You are growing a human life. Your abs are secondary to that. And, you know, in the, in the, spirit of, of, of openness and uh, transparency, both of my pregnancies, I went almost all carbs during both my pregnancies. And I, it's just what I wanted. Um, and I just, I just went with it. My first son, oh my goodness, like <laughs> all, almost all food was completely repelling to me with the exception of apples nothing but apples. And it was a specific, it was a Macintosh apple, um, that tasted good. And I also liked the, um, the name I'm forgetting, but the green apples. So green apples, and then these Macintoshes, um, it was the most bizarre thing because I don't actually have a particular affliction for apples one way or another. Even now I, I rarely eat them. If I eat fruit, I much prefer, uh, blackberries are my favorite, uh, blueberries. I like blueberries as well, but I went from, you know, preconception, eating like a re like moderate, you know, to high fat, moderate to high protein, um, to pretty much <laughs> apples and beef jerky for for nine months, and why I have no idea. Uh, same thing with um, with my second son. It wasn't apples uh, with my second son, but it was just. I mean, I just wanted, I just wanted, I just wanted carbs. It was, you know, and I, I it was the antithesis of what I was, you know, what I teach. And I actually remember, um, my poor husband at the time, um, I went to, um, he, <laughs> I remember him going to the fridge after I had gone grocery shopping only to find like literally shelves of apples, like every single, everything, a single shelf in the fridge was apples. Like there was no vegetables, there was no meat, there was like, there was nothing. And he sort of looked at me and he was like, um, <laughs> Like, what, what am I going to eat? And I looked at him and I was like, 
apples. <laughs> so anyway, needless to say, uh, he went grocery shopping from that point on because, you know, I was also getting really like the grocery store smell was also completely revolting to me. But anyway, um, so all that to say is, you know, follow your intuition. And if you're able to follow a higher protein, uh, you know, all the healthy fats that you need for brain, like for fetal development, make sure that you're taking an omega-3 higher in DHA. If you can watch the DHA count, that's really, really important for brain health, especially for the growing baby. Which brings me to uh, postpartum. Uh, another hot question, uh, largely because as soon as the baby is delivered, women are, they feel pressured from society to bounce back after baby. And so they are really just like literally itching to start caloric restriction, to start like a ketogenic diet, uh, almost immediately. And I have to say it, it breaks my heart. I hate, I hate that. I hate that, um, our society doesn't support um, mothers, uh, newborn mothers and, you know, mothers in general, um, for the tireless work, uh, that we do to raise our children. It is completely undervalued, certainly underpaid. Um, and the judgment, uh, that we pass on, um, on the postpartum belly, I think is, uh, I think is egregious and, uh, something that I, I, I want to change, but that being said, I will answer this question because I know that this is at the root of a lot of pressure that, you know, my beautiful mothers feel, and there's a lot of anxiety around it. So I want to give you, you know, the information for you to, so that you can best direct your own, um, choices. So again, my answer is, is kind of similar, you know, traditional ketogenic diets with long-term carbohydrate restriction. I'm not a fan of the goal for women is not ketosis forever. Um, and there is some evidence, especially if you're a mother who's trying to breastfeed, um, some women have reported that when they are on a ketogenic diet, again, with something to do with that, uh, potentially that carbohydrate and insulin suppression, um, that, that insulin signaling, that suppress, that suppression of that signal can decrease milk production, right? And it can also decrease, um, uh, yeah, just, just lactation in general. Now that isn't all, all women, but there is enough of it to report, uh, on it. So some women are fine. Um, you know, if you're breastfeeding, your priority hopefully is to keep that beautiful liquid gold flowing, uh, for your baby. So again, in the Estima diet, we talk about phase one and phase two. And this phase two, where we are, it's more of a cyclical approach to keto, might be a better um, approach. And so generally, hopefully there's a, there's a theme or there's a, there's a bit of a thematic um, that you've been able to tease out here, which is I think that for women over a longer delta, you can certainly have a, a therapeutic intervention of a classic ketogenic diet where, and I define, it's not even classic, you know, classic is four to one, but my version of like a classic ketogenic diet would be 70% fat, 20% uh, protein, 10% carbohydrates. But over the long term, I think when we're thinking about hormonal issues for women, um, when we're thinking about thyroid health, which uh, I've done actually a geeky magic on thyroid health, I'll pop a link in the show notes. Um, I also, you know, when we're thinking about the overall hormonal profile of a woman and how this ebbs and flows, um, I actually run a class called Betty Hormones. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes um, in there as well. But in that class, we outline hypothyroidism, 
considerations for perimenopause, for menopause, for PCOS, for estrogen dominance, for chronic low-grade inflammation, um, and the effects of cortisol on your menstrual cycle. So I am a fan over the long term, if this is something that you want to stick to and be consistent with, for women to be consuming a higher protein um, uh, consumption on a lower carbohydrate or ketogenic approach. And as I mentioned um, before, I think that a lot of women, why we are running into issues with the ketogenic diet is that we are overly calorically restricting, we are over-exercising, we are over-fasting, and we are trying to be little men, and we are not. We are, you know, our men are beautiful, we got to love and take care of them, but we also have to learn how to honor our own physiology and learn to appropriately respond with nutrition considerations, fasting considerations, exercise considerations uh, for our female bodies and how that changes, of course, over the arc of a woman's life, right? So, you know, when we think about, you know, I've been talking about pregnancy, but if you just think about over the arc of a woman's life, how much, I mean, we have, we are not menstruating, right? And then somewhere around 12 you know, 13, something like that. We start menstruating. We do so for another, call it 35 to 40 years. And in that 35 or 40 years, we have the hormonal, you know, uh, we'll call it, um, tornado of pregnancy, of childbirth, of, you know, of labor, breastfeeding. I mean, I, I breastfed, uh, baby number one was like 18 months, baby number two, uh, three years for baby number two still asks for it sometimes as well. Uh, and then of course we move into, uh, perimenopause, right? This, this, this fluctuation in our estrogen and testosterone and progesterone levels, and then menopause, like there is a huge, uh, aberration. There are huge changes in our, um, hormonal, uh, landscape over the, over the arc of our lives. And I think that the more that we can learn about these particular stages and phases, uh, in our life, and the, the more we can alter our macronutrient composition, caloric intake, the more we can learn about our menstrual cycle and how that impacts our brain health, our fertility, our vitality, uh, the better that we will be. So in, in closing, a uh, big fan of a female centric ketogenic diet in, and then we want to, and we want to nuance it for certain uh, population, certain cohorts. So we have our PCOS and our metabolic syndrome and our diabetes and our, you know, insulin resistant and hyperinsulinemic, high blood glucose, uh, sort of population. Uh, they typically will respond very well to a 70, 20, 10, as we've been talking about that phase one of the Estima diet. And then for other women, that is not, you know, if we're thinking about the application of keto over a longer period of time, you can't stay in keto for, you can't stay in ketosis forever. I don't think that's healthy for women. Uh, I think it's going to affect negatively affect our endocrine systems, um, including thyroid, including, uh, estrogen levels, including testosterone levels, including growth hormone, including all the things, uh, sympathetic tone, et cetera. So we want to be thinking about amping up carbohydrates, learning how to strategically take in our carbs, increasing our protein, um, 
and uh, yeah, just rocking it. So I hope, uh, I hope that you found this useful, maybe answered some of your questions around the ketogenic diet. If you're someone who's, who's tried keto and was like, this isn't for me, uh, maybe an invitation to come back to it with a filter of how you can do it as a woman. Uh, and if you want more information, of course, um, there'll be a link for my book, The Betty Body in the show notes, and there'll be a link for my uh, signature program. It's called the Estima Diet. There's two main phases to it as we've been talking about. And of course, uh, my course on uh, Betty hormones. So with that, I bid you adieu. I hope that you have something to marinate on until we meet again and have a wonderful, wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed, and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.